0: Hey everybody, I hope everybody is doing good. Uh, Let's see, today will be another great time enjoying another one of my podcasts. If you do like my podcasts, YouTube channels or anything, please like and subscribe, it really helps me out. Any feedback will be great too. So let's get on with it. What do you think racing and Al Capone speakeasies and the start of Prohibition have to do with each other? Well let's just say back in the 1920's January 17th to be exact was the time that Woodrow Wilson passed the 18th amendment which was the start of prohibition you weren't allowed to have any alcohol at all it would be illegal they did this to save grain from the end of World War One. well Al Capone became big time out in Chicago for this, he killed a lot of people, became the head of the mafia and it was mainly because of the illegal moonshine they were creating a lot of the people would open speakeasies in the basements of buildings and no the government did not know about that so it was more or less Keeping everything on it down low, so they wouldn't find the moonshine. And that's where you got bootleggers from. That's nowadays bootlegging CDs and stuff, making them illegal. Back then, they were running them, so they would run them all over, and they had to soup the cars and get them better than the cops. Well. In 1932 Ford introduced a a 1932 V8 Roadster this was the main car that the moonshiners used had a big back seat big trunk they could put a lot of the moonshine in there and run them it was a hefty price back in 1932 the Roadster sold for $495, the Coupes sold for 490 and the Sedans for 650 It was such a great car, they sold nearly 300,000 of them. Okay, then in 1933, Roosevelt, he found out how much money the government was losing and such so he on December 5th 1933 signed the end of prohibition well there was a guy running him called Junior Johnson he actually became a, a legitimate racer his father got arrested for having moonshine still to this day Nobody can actually top how much money how much he had. He got arrested with seventy thousand gallons of liquor. Still to this day, it's the largest largest land seizure of liquor. Back in nineteen thirty five, they had eight races. Okay. Now, in 1948, they started what's called Generations, and that's where they would change the cars. Generation 1, it was mainly a stock frame and body, which you can buy right off the dealer room floor. Their doors were strapped, welded shut back then. You had to have seatbelts. And the axle was heavier duty than what they sell. So it stopped them from flipping. February 15th, 1948. Was the first legitimate race on a beach. And it wasn't oval. It was a road track. In June 19, 1949, instead of racing on the beach, they raced on asphalt. That was the first time that moonshiners actually raced on asphalt. In 1949 also, they they adapted the name Strictly Stock Division. 619 1949 Jim Roper driving a Lincoln in Charlotte, North Carolina, had the top speed of eighty miles an hour. They then, in nineteen fifties, adapted the name Grand Nationals. in 1950 Bill Rexford won the season with a whopping $6100 also same year the top speed went to 90 miles an hour in one lap now People try tried different things and such. One of my coolest facts is Tim Flock put a monkey in his car. And they named the monkey Jocko Flock. And he had this going for a few races until the monkey got hit in the head with a nut that came off the track. And got hit in the head... And when he got hit in the head, it made Jocko go kind of crazy. So he had to drive around the track and come into the pits with a monkey that was going nuts. When he got into the pits, he told his crew, hurry up, get this crazy monkey off my back. Well, in 1953, Junior Johnson won the Southern 500. 1955, the Hudson Hornet, first manufacturer provide factory support to NASCAR teams. Three years after that, a little known guy who would become, in my eyes, the best racer ever, Richard Petty, 1958, raced first race. In 1964, something I think was a great idea should have been introduced years before, the fire suit, were mandated. Some wore them before, but now they were mandatory. Every driver must wear them, or they could not get behind the wheel. In 1966, it was the end of Generation 1. They came out with Generation 2. Which was a stock body. But you had to get the frame. Modified. Strengthened. They were going at such speeds now. That the frame would actually flex. In different spots. And could crack. This is when 1969. Is the Daytona. Plymouth Daytona. It was so fast, so powerful, and so well aerodynamically made that nobody can beat it. It had the record for doing the fastest lap ever. And NASCAR said, no, we can't do this. That was the only car to get outlawed by NASCAR. Well, push ahead, and only a couple months, and they changed their name to which stood for years, called the NASCAR Winston Cup, which stands for National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing. In 1972, another racer, some of you might have heard of him. Bobby Allison joined NASCAR and raced his first race. Well, Richie Petty went ahead a few months later and got his fourth Daytona 500. And he was racing a Dodge Charger at that point. In 1981, was a generation three they had to still have the strengthened frame but they reduced everybody's wheel bases you now had to have a hundred and ten inch wheelbase so from back tire to front could not be any more than hundred and ten inches NASCAR downsized the cars to resemble the showroom cars so mainly when you go to buy a car and you look at it on the TV it should pretty much look the same and to get the body panels you still had to go through the major car dealers So nineteen eighty two Darrell Waltrip won his first race in Charlotte, North Carolina, where if you don't remember, that is where the first asphalt race was was ran. So that's a pretty prestigious award right there. Well nineteen eighty five Bill Elliott set a few qualifying records for going well over 200 in a Ford Thunderbird 1992 generation 4 cars came out they were heavily modified bodies they didn't look really anything like what they did off the showroom floor Teams will spend hours in aero in a wind tunnel adjusting the aerodynamics of the cars to get the advantage over other teams. This is when they start coming out with fiberglass parts, fiberglass doors, hoods, roofs, anything like that to get the advantage. Well, in 1995 Chevrolet pulled out the Illumina and decided to throw in a little faster car called the Monte Carlo. Jeff Gordon drove that car to four championships. Fort Taurus in 1998 was the first four four-door stock car approved by NASCAR. everything else was two-door in 19, in 2005 a Hans device which goes over the shoulder and attached to the back of the helmet and goes down the chest and on the back it is used so your neck can't flop back and forth, front and back, and so your head cannot move forward and snap your neck. That was mandated in 2005. 2007, Generation 5 came out for the car bodies this was a whole new era of safety okay the the front splitter the rear wing that they both add aerodynamics to the car and they both add downforce which is detrimental to going around the ovals and for keeping your car down on the road courses 2013 was generation 6 which now put unique body panels on existing chassis they make better body designs to reassemble the original cars and so up to now we are racing still on the sixth generation they are pushing to do a seventh generation there's a lot of safety features that went into these cars they now have extra bars they're not sitting right on the, the door anymore they're more centralized there's a lot of things that went in to keep these drivers safe let me tell you they're going 200 miles an hour around a circle people say oh what good is that well think about it you're going 200 miles an hour around a circle touching the guy's back bumper when that guy's bumper is touching the guy in front of him back bumper you're driving four wide almost touching each other's doors and the margin of error is so small that one little mess up can take out the whole field there's 43 cars and one little mess up can take out all of them So just think about that next time you're watching NASCAR. So, if you like this video, please like and subscribe. And until next time, be safe.